Welcome to Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Pavni Chalasani, and joining me today to talk about the Natalie trial is Dr. Nicholas McAndrew, who is an assistant professor in the Division of Hematology and Oncology at the UCLA David Geffen School of Medicine in California. Dr. McAndrew, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me today. All of us are aware of the data of CDK4-6 inhibitors, which showed improvement in progression-free survival, and a couple of them did also show benefit in overall survival. And we have been anxiously waiting to have some data in early-stage breast cancer. Obviously, we did have some initial data and FDA approval for abemacyclib, but we are excited to get data from the second CDK4-6 inhibitors. So with that background, Dr. McAndrew, can you kind of give us the rationale and the study background for the Natalie trial? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the rationale, we have seen from the metastatic trials of ribocyclib, which were the Mona Lisa 2, 3, and 7 trials, which were in a combination of first-line, second-line metastatic ER-positive, HER2-negative breast cancer in the postmenopausal and in the premenopausal setting as well. And as you noted, we did see those studies showing improvement in progression-free survival, as did many of the other studies with the other CDK4-6 inhibitors, palbocyclib and abemacyclib. The PALACE clinical trial and Penelope B as well had initially reported as showing no improvement in invasive disease-free survival benefit for adding palbocyclib in the early stage setting. I think that further underscored the need to really identify which settings these drugs were most beneficial in trying to further define and clarify exactly the role for each of these drugs as it sort of became increasingly clear that maybe they were different drugs with different degrees of efficacy and effect on cancer cells. And so the design of the Natalie clinical trial was such that patients with high-risk estrogen receptor positive HER2-negative breast cancer, anatomic stage 2 and 3, were randomized to receive either a non-steroidal aromatase inhibitor such as anastrozole or letrozole. And in men and premenopausal women, they also received gosarolin for five years. So all patients received that backbone of endocrine therapy. And the investigational arm also received ribocyclib as well. Can you expand on the design of the study for Natalie and highlight some of the key differences from Monarchy and the palbocyclib studies? Sure. So in terms of the key differences between the Natalie trial and the other two larger studies of CDK4-6 inhibitors, the PALACE study being the study of adjuvant palbocyclib and the Monarchy study being adjuvant abemacyclib. The key differences, I would say, would be in both dose of the drug as well as duration of administration of the drug. So the way that we think CDK4-6 inhibitors help eradicate cancer or help kill estrogen receptor positive breast cancer cells is by driving them into senescence. So by inhibiting cell cycle enough, the cell cycle and transition from the G1 to S phase enough so that the cancer cell goes into cell cycle arrest and senescence. Because that's the way we believe that it works, the design of the Natalie trial actually was slightly different in that we had administered the drug for three years rather than two years. But in order to try and improve the tolerability of adding a drug for three years, the starting dose was slightly lower at 400 milligrams. We had seen lots of data in the metastatic setting showing that 
when patients had to dose reduce and oftentimes did dose reduce to 400 milligrams, there was no trade-off in terms of efficacy. And so that seemed to be still a very effective dose of the drug. So the 400 milligram, 21 days on, seven days off dose was chosen for administration for three years rather than two years, as was the case in the PALACE and the Monarch E trials. And in those studies, the dose was given at a full dose, in full dose being the same dose that was approved in the metastatic setting. So can you tell us the primary endpoints of the study? Sure. So the primary endpoint of the Natalie trial was invasive disease-free survival using uh, the standardized steep criteria. There were a few secondary endpoints as well, including recurrence-free survival, distant disease-free survival, overall survival, as well as patient-reported outcomes, safety and tolerability, as well as PK data. And there were a few exploratory endpoints as well, including local regional recurrence-free survival and also correlative biomarker studies, including gene expression and alterations in circulating tumor DNA and RNA samples as well. For those just tuning in, you're listening to Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Pavni Chilasani, and today I'm speaking with our guest, Dr. Nicholas McAndrew, about the Natalie trial. So, Dr. McAndrew, now that we know what the study and we covered the background and what the primary endpoints were, let's focus on the results. So, what can you tell us about the key findings? Sure. So in terms of patient enrollment in the trial, there were about 60% of patients with stage 3 disease and 40% of patients with stage 2 disease were enrolled. About 56% were postmenopausal women, with 44% being men and premenopausal women. There were total 5,101 patients who were enrolled, and about 70% of them had been on prior endocrine therapy for up to a year prior to enrollment in the study, which was allowed per protocol. So the study did meet its primary endpoint of improved invasive disease-free survival in patients on the ribocyclib and non-steroidal aromatase inhibitor arm with a three-year invasive disease-free survival rate of 90.4% at the time of the ASCO reporting in the first interim analysis, which was absolutely 3.3% improved over the non-steroidal aromatase inhibitor alone arm at 87.1%. There was slightly over a 3% improvement in invasive disease-free survival at the time of analysis, and that was associated with a hazard ratio of 0.748 with a significant p-value of 0.0014, which did exceed the alpha level that the study was powered based on. Exciting to know that there are positive studies coming, which could make a clinical impact for our patients. So if we look ahead, what do you think is next for the results of this trial and where we go from here? Yeah, so I agree. It's very exciting. I mean, when you look at the relative reduction in risk of invasive disease, there's a 25% reduced risk of invasive disease by adding ribocyclob to standard endocrine therapy. I think we have to continue to watch these patients as they continue on the study because at the time of reporting, almost 80% of patients on the ribocyclob arm were still on treatment. They were still receiving therapy. So this is early, so we'll have to continue to follow it. But it's also exciting that we're seeing benefit early on in patients where although they were high-risk patients, stage two and stage three, we know that this is a population where many of the recurrences may not be early, as is the biology of ear-positive breast cancer. Completely agree. Considering the positive results ribocyclic has had overall in patients with hormone receptor positive, HER2 negative, metastatic breast cancer, we are hopeful and looking forward to more results from the Natalie study. 
and how this might be a potential treatment option for early stage breast cancer. As that brings us to the end of today's program, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Nicholas McKendrew, for joining me today to help break down the data from the Natalie trial. Dr. McKendrew, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much for having me today. And Dr. Pavni Chalasani, to access this and other episodes in our series, visit reachmd.com slash project oncology, where you can be a part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>